Minecraft podcast, there is this concept called the sunk cost fallacy. Do you know what that means? Have you ever heard of it, Chris? No, you may have to explain it to me. The sunk cost fallacy is the idea that people carry on going based on how much effort they've already put in. Oh, yes. Okay. Basically. So it's a sunk cost. So whether it would be businesses, relationships, whether it would be like education, perhaps, stuff like that. A lot of the time, I think it comes down to either missing out on other opportunities or whether you're thinking that you're going to eventually get somewhere that you might not actually ever get to. So some people might turn down, say if it was an investment or something like that, that you might rather than cut your losses and sell the investment and invest in something else and go up, you might think, well, I've lost so much, I might as well keep riding it down. You know, that kind of thing. Um, But in terms of the sunk cost fallacy, it's pushing energies into things that you are hoping will lead somewhere maybe you honestly do believe that they will lead somewhere but at the end of the day you've put a lot of effort into something it doesn't seem to actually be paying any effort uh now that transfers i think to pretty much everyday life mundane these mundanes that have come up with this i think it does equally also go into magic and i think one of the really important things for us to discuss I can't remember discussing it on a podcast before, but I know I've discussed it with people, you know, we've had consultation meetings and such, where you've got someone that is struggling to know how far they go with a project that they're failing on, I suppose. So is whether we have any advice or wisdom regarding that. So do you have any measurements or formulas or anything like that for judging that sort of thing? You personally whether it be a mundane project or investing in people or whether it would be magical stuff, when do you decide, when's your stop loss? When do you say, no, I've put enough energy into this now, I'm not willing to get put any more in? Would you just ride things out? Um, It depends, because I think I probably, according to others, I don't know. It depends. In my mundane life, people would probably say um, I'm more likely to flog a dead horse when it's a member of staff or something. Mm. Whereas actually, I see potential. And if I can't see potential, that's when I start to go, no, this isn't working. Um, You're one of the people which is more thinking that they're the donkey that sees the carrot and they think they will get to it, but does not realise that it is on a piece of string and that they're never actually going to get to it. Mm. So you're basically kidding yourself into thinking, or you're the type to kid yourself into thinking, yes, don't worry, we will get there, I'll keep investing because we'll get there, rather than the person that's kind of like potentially scared of, oh, I've put so much in, I can't quit now because that means that all of that stuff I'd have put in has been to waste. You're more of an optimist, I suppose. I can be. I think very much it's a case of going, actually, you know, even if we have to crash, you know, smash all this up and start again. Um, But then I I, I wonder sometimes, as silly as it sounds, if that's down to the gardener in me. Um, So, like, even if I've, you know, had too much of this one plant that I really don't want I'm quite happy to cut it all down and use it as mulch in order to have round two with this thing that isn't isn't surviving um so yeah I suppose from that point of view I think I am the optimist in the sense that I can I can see value in failure um whereas I think a lot of people are probably the opposite in that way particularly in business would you ever admit to a failure you don't strike me as the sort that would um, well, be involved i i'm happy to admit something failed but i also ah, don't that says it all that says it all you said you're happy to admit that something failed you should have yeah. said i'm happy to admit when i fell because otherwise it sounds very egotistical no you're just trying to twist twist what i'm saying 
my my opinion would be uh, my opinion would be i'm quite happy to admit when okay i'll say it i failed when's the uh, last Um, I couldn't say it on this side of the. I couldn't say it on this side of the thing. I'll ask you again in the naughty section. Um, but more so because of, you know, confidentiality and things like that. But the, you know, for me, I don't think it stops at a failure. I think lots of people will just kind of dump that, and go, oh, I'll go and start this new project over here, whereas I'm I'm very salvaging. I want to find how can I use that failure, um, which I think makes me a better person, Liam, personally, um, is because I don't really see failures. Mm. So I, I struggle I struggle with that because I kind of go, well, actually, you know, that didn't go as according to plan, but we achieved this, this and this in that direction, um, and this can be reused to do that. Um, that it depends. I spend a lot of my time recycling things. So that's kind of my process. I suppose it depends on where you're trying to get to, though, because I like end goals and such like that. So for me, it's about being efficient in trying to get to an end goal. Whereas if you're more of a journey type person, it's very, very different because with the journey, you can be meandering towards a destination that is not quite clear. So if you've got a very solid, clear destination of something that you want to achieve, then you're always going to be weighing up how what the most efficient way to get there is. So whether it would be the method that you're currently using or whether it would be another method, I think can liken that to like magical projects and such if someone's trying to do something along the lines of astral projection for the first time and they download one of those shit CDs, which gets you to meditate before you go to bed because that's a really fucking good idea isn't it just when you're about to be really tired you go and start doing astral projection which requires a burst of energy yeah real smart but anyway oh yeah i've done that for six months now do i carry on because that would mean failure when do i draw the line you know that's the sort of thing which i would be thinking about that sort of person has a specific goal that they're trying to get to whereas if it's a case of i'm exploring meditation and the concept of meditation at that point you could kind of think well i've done six months of this do i carry on with different types of meditation or what whereas the first person would probably wouldn't get six months in they'd probably get a week in as i've seen them before they get a week in they think fuck this this is bullshit and then they go off and they'll start doing some shit with crystals or coins putting crystals around the house and then memorizing where they are and trying to walk to them in a uh, alpha brain state or in a um, meditative state it's another one I've seen it's quite a popular thing but anything like that maybe you are attempting to I don't know kill someone off in a car crash for example magically speaking of course not mundane plotting because that's illegal magic's not illegal at least not where we are um, no because it doesn't exist Liam it's for it exist, entertainment, yeah. entertainment it's, purposes it's only your class is freedom of speech you see so with regards to that okay you do your candle spell to make this car crash happen and then it doesn't happen so what do you then do do you keep doing more candle spells when do you stop doing candle spells when do you stop making fucking charm bags using the same fucking formula for making charm bags over and over and over again when does it finally sink in because you can say this is the difficulty right this is what i've seen because I'll, I'll be honest it is very difficult it takes a certain amount of practice and experience and such to make things happen. They say Thomas Edison took a thousand attempts to make the light bulb. Should he have stopped at 500? A lot of people would have said, don't bother, Tom. Don't even bother the first one. I don't even know what the fuck a light bulb is. Why are you wasting your time on that? Go and do something else. But attempt number 100, there's people that would tune out at that time. Attempt number 500 you know attempt number a thousand like that's a lot of time invested and he did get there in the end but when it comes to the magical practitioner and people that are trying to experience magic particularly for like the first time or beginners then you're thinking like how much time do you invest in something before it actually becomes stupid to invest any more time in that thing mm. 
which I do get, and that is a serious question, something that people need to mull over. No, I get it. I think my my approach to it is going to be slightly different, which is why I think I don't experience, um, you know, cost-spent fallacy, generally speaking, um, is one, because I'm fairly always having to take that step back all the time. Mm. So a lot of my perspective is always from a wider a wider lens than most people normally look at a problem um so i kind of spot a problem before a problem is even really on most people's radars um and that's not a a bragging thing it can be quite an annoying thing for some people because um particularly in a in a job like mine where unfortunately everybody is only functions in firefighting mode um means that they never take a step back long enough to see the bigger picture so something i'm bringing up is 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 irrelevant because that's happening in six months um which is a completely different kind of spent loss fallacy is where someone is so close to the work all the time at the when it's at the end of their nose um that they don't step back long enough to see where they're at um so i i find i don't i probably don't experience that and i particularly um you know you made that kind of comment at the beginning about you know when did you last experience failure um that is one that i have to prepare an answer for whenever i go to an interview because i don't see the world in that way um so I have to kind of, I know that there is always going to be a question of, you know, when did you last experience a, f a failure that was your fault and how did you fix it? And you're kind of like, okay, um, let me think. Well, I have to do that pre-thinking before I go to the, the meeting because I know that that is what will be asked of you because most people are goal orientated. Um. But what they don't see is you can be chase, you can be trying to hit a goal both efficiently um, and, you know, um, timely without it having to be a, a kind of rat race. You know, you can meander your way to goals on time. Um, and lots of people feel that it has to be one or the other. I mean, I mean, they're putting lots and lots of energy in in order to make this thing happen efficiently, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, or it's, you know, we're just going on a jaunt and if we get there, we get there. Um, as if those are the only two options. Hmm. Now, someone I think tried to fix this situation, I can't remember the name of the person, but it was in the 20th century, the, the idea of how much time do you invest in magical experiments and then call it quits? So there is this whole movement and uh, area of magic, branch of magic. A lot of people think of it as a system. It's really just a philosophy, which is what we've talked about before, chaos magic, which is mm -hmm. the idea that actually, if you're wanting to explore what works, what doesn't work, you really and truly throw yourself into a practice for a limited amount of time to explore its potential and then you leave it, take a step back, and then look at what you've learned and such. Which, for me, that is a very explorative look. So that's like kind of like, I suppose, archaeologists will dig in the desert because we know there's something there. We've only got a month to do this. We need to get in and out, catalogue things, then put things back or whatever. Um, and you don't necessarily know what you're going to find there. You have a reasonable expectation potential. You also might have uh, ideas, whether they're grand or not, and wants and desires and such. But ultimately, it's about extracting and being time efficient to a certain extent. Because a lot of the complaints that we have get from people that have been walking a magical path for a while is either I'm bored, and those people have experienced and done a lot of things and can't think of new things to try, or they are of the perspective of, I really can't get past this block. I really can't get past this section, whatever it is. So they're throwing sometimes years, decades even, at magical projects 
we're trying to harness certain abilities and such and they're not necessarily getting anywhere and of course they're reaching out and introducing a third party at that point because they're introducing us as a catalyst in which is potentially smart but um it is one of those things that at what point do people give up because then you end up dedicating it's FOMO, I suppose, isn't it? Fear of missing out. You're kind of like, I could yeah. dedicate the rest of my life to this approach, or I could go off and find another approach. And would it be more economical at this point to say, okay, let's quit the, the fucking bullshit scrying into a crystal and go off and do something other sort of work to make that spirit manifest or evoke some spirit or something like that, you know? I've made a load of uh, incenses and I've got all of these trinkets and stuff to try and make that spirit from the lesser key of Solomon pop up, but you just don't want to pop up. Should I be just going in playing with other types of spirits because they might want to play ball with me? Or should I take another approach with some sort of evocation ritual? What should I do? What I probably won't continue to do is the same fucking thing over and over and over again because they say that's the definition of insanity, isn't it? They do, they do. Mm. I think part of the problem for me is, again, is with that goal of uh, goal um, focused kind of approach. I love a goal. Is that is if you are kind of going, well, I was told I've got to do this and I've got to do this until I'm blue in the face. Um, when they don't, when their face doesn't turn blue, they're like, oh, I did it wrong. But they don't look at the bigger picture and kind of go okay, well, why? Why did it go wrong? I did everything they told me to do. Um, so why didn't it work? Or why it worked for these 30 people who all did it that way? Um, because those people are the ones that we we end up with, isn't it? Is there people that go to a, um, a moot or they've read 300 books or they've gone through this kind of process of going, well, I've looked at every version that somebody else has done. I've tried all of those that don't work for me. Now, at the end of that, you're kind of going, and which is what we spend our time doing with them, is going, but why didn't it work? Tell me about those experiences. What did happen? What didn't happen? How is it supposed to work? You know? And that and that is that is the bit well, I find frustrating. That's the bit about extracting the information afterwards, because there are people like when we're talking about um, the philosophy of chaos magic and that when you're talking about hmm. suspending your disbelief and delving into it, that's a lack of ability to actually extract things of value from it. So that's the inability to summarize and think back, which we do help a lot of people do um but i suppose that's a really underestimated thing because people don't really think about being good at that or what that takes to be good at that but to a certain extent i think from a scientific perspective so you think about well you design an experiment to prove a hypothesis or something so you've already got ideas whereas i suppose when you download rituals and charms and various things off the internet you haven't designed them have you so you have no idea of where to go if they fail well, this, this is the thing. Um, and for me, um, I'm kind of exploring this at the moment with kind of Gertie and science at the moment over the last kind of six months is kind of thinking about the fact that there is that kind of scientific method that we talk about comes from Newton. So this idea of you set up an experiment to try and prove the hypothesis, then you start again and you produce an, another Whereas kind of if you were to look at kind of Goethe, Goethe has this process of starting with the phenomenon and getting all the way to the phenomenon again. So there is that kind of part of going, OK, so you need to start with your experience, not start with not start with this experiment somebody else has told you to do. Um, you know. And that's that's where I'm at at this point is kind of going, well, actually, you know, why? So why is the experiment worth doing it in the first place? Because you need to justify that to me in the first place. Um, what are you hoping to get from it? 
and what is your current experience because when they when they go and do this well the book said um i need to do this like, well that worked for that person and that was ba based on that person's experience so they already had a certain set of skills when they started that and they may not be exactly the same set of skills that you started with mm. um which is where the kind of the goal needs to get more loose for me in the sense of what are you trying to experience not i am trying to re repeat that experiment that somebody else has done and our kind of scientific method these days is about doing that well it's only true if i can repeat what somebody else has done and get exactly the same result mm. and that is where i find kind of the problem for a lot of practitioners is that they're expecting and their expectation and their goal is totally to experience the same experience somebody else did that's the mercurial mindset though isn't it yeah right so sunk cost fallacy there is no mathematical formula for working out whether it is efficient because people from insurance companies like if you watch fight club and that they know do we publicly do a recall and release the fact that all of these cars are killing people or do we just cover it up and just pay out money which is more cost effective to do should we just settle or should we take it up in court yeah well this is the thing i think most um most of the service industry works on that basis too which is it is easier and more cost effective to just play pay off compensation to the people that come with a problem so rather than fix the inefficiency all they do is just anybody that is brave enough to come and complain about it they'll pay off yeah so if you don't pretend you found a spider in your yeah. chip then they'll just say fuck it you can have some free chips or a voucher or we'll refund it because there isn't that amount of people that are actually pretending that there are spiders in their food yeah. but if there's someone that does it causes more of a pr nightmare that you're stood in a queue of people that are wanting to buy chips when one of the people that's just been served chips is saying look there's a spider in it it's like just just shut up and go away okay have your 10 pounds back yeah mm. okay what else is there to discuss with sunk cost fallacy and giving up because there's a little it's basically about giving up knowing when to give up because some people say one should never give up whereas mm -hmm. i think because i'm more goal orientated i do think of it a little bit more mathematical whereas i think there is times when you probably should give up there is there will always reach a point in any endeavor that either it's sound <laughs> you know the reasoning is still sound and I think that's why it's important to review. I think reflective practice is a is kind of a, a lost art where people actually just periodically check in. Um, you know, is this working? Is it still working for everybody? And I think actually what often happens is if you were one of the people that set, it becomes an ego thing if you're one of the people that set the parameters and that person is involved in the chat they get very automatically get very defensive you know oh well we, we well we agreed um and i'm like we're not criticizing the work that has been done what we are doing is looking at is there a more efficient way to deliver it mm. um and particularly from a financial point of view i think that's where a lot of people struggle is they're not willing to cut a loss um you know middle management i do i have to do it all the fucking time but and i'm quite happy to go well this isn't working so we're now going to go through the process however ugly it is to get rid um that is that is my job um and i'm quite happy You're to do it <laughs> do you like firing people I don't like firing people. I like reusing people. Like I say, I'm very much about recycling. Is there a better position for that person to be in that isn't the one they're currently in? You're like um, a good board 
queen, aren't you? Huh? Like a Borg queen. Yes. Um, because to, uh, possibly, because to me, it's you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm. So, if if you're not supporting that pro that person that is in what way broken, which I know all the woke people will hate the word broken, but you know when something isn't functioning as it's supposed to function, it is broken. Um, function. Sorry expected to function yes um and if that means that you have to invest time and energy into making that thing work more efficiently do it but you also have to be prepared that if that person is not capable for whatever reason to meet the expected goal that you need to either find a different function for that that thing to run um and formulate or you need to get rid of it yeah because we are all merely cogs in chris's universe and if you don't no. turn at the appropriate time don't you may be down, or you may just be removed <laughs> don't twist it that way because ultimately from my point of view it's a case of i am happy to lose people but i feel like i should lose people on a positive place so someone should leave because they've outgrown the position they're in but they're basically like puzzle pieces it's like you don't fit here but there is a place that you do fit i know there's a place that you're fit so we need yeah. to move you to where you do fit but because yeah. that's not my job i'm just going to remove you away from this space and someone will pick you up in the future and try and place you somewhere else because no, life is like a puzzle isn't it well, more, it's, it's like one of those big puzzles that take over like a dining table. You've got like three or four of your friends all doing it. You're like, you know, that one's that colour. I'll put you over there. <laughs> so, you know, and ultimately, when someone isn't performing, that has an impact on them. Yeah. Um, Because if they can't reach their goals and repeatedly can't reach their goals, then that eventually will impact them in a longer term. And yeah. I think actually that person, if the losses had been cut at the time they were supposed to have been cut, then that person might be very happy somewhere else. It often very much feels good to be good, to do good, and for other people to think you're good, in my experience. Oh. Right. What about the whole FOMO, that thing, so the fear of missing out? Because there's no reason for a lot of practitioners and such that or the vast majority of them wouldn't be able to move in more than one direction anyway. I think people tend to think, oh, taking on too much of a burden in regards to, like, area so if there's a certain magical tradition you're exploring or in a religion and this and that and the other all those things might not marry up because it takes a lot of time and such like that but in terms of incorporating more than one medium so like from an artistic perspective you could combine watercolor and soft pastel for example it's like to get a job done and explore both of those and how they work with each other. You could explore more than one way of astral projection and astral travel or spell casting or what have you, potentially all at the same time or close enough together. I set in a, a homework for someone to do the same spell three times. So they need to do a spell on three different people. It needs to be the same type of spell, but they're gonna change the ingredients, like say a candle spell for luck do that to three different people, but change the candle spell for each person and then measure the results and see. That's a magical experiment. Super simple. I'm not seeing a huge amount of experimentation in magic, funnily enough, which considering so many of them are so say magicians and take more of a scientific approach to things, they're in a huge amount of um, multitasking, I suppose you'd call it. But a lot of people have fear the result, don't they? What well, that it might actually work. That no, as in up. multiple fails oh, at the same the time. That the cross modes might actually be there waiting for them when they go in the middle of the night to deposit their coins. Not at 12 o'clock at night, remember I said the middle of the night. 
people can work that out from previous episodes. Um, okay, fear of depression. Depression's a good one, isn't it? Because when you fail, it does get you down in a rut. So you get disenchanted, depressed, um, and all of that kind of thing with your own practice, with your own work, whether that would be your mundane job or other things. So is there a fix for that other than a win in your experience? Um, I think in, in my experience anyway, um, just depression and think disorders like that are cycle based. So I don't think necessarily it has to be a win. I think a win is a very good way of breaking a cycle. Um, I think distraction works just as it uh, just as well. Um, so, but yes, I think breaking the cycle is the most important part of that. Um, but yeah, I think it de it really depends on on what the practice what the practice is and and how that's structured. I think too many people don't try these things on the basis that there's there's an overwhelming morality about it where it's kind of seeing other people's lives as um opportunities to experiment um gives them too much of a nazi vibe i imagine of going you know let's put all these unwilling volunteers into a into this in order to test out if they perform better or worse than the rats did. Um, I think a part of it is the morality aspect, the ethics gets in the way of people doing it um, and testing out that spelling three different ways. So I think it's easier when someone goes, oh, I've got three friends that would benefit from this happening to them. Let's try it out in that way. I think if it's a positive thing, people are very happy to test it. Um, I know we quite regularly as you very much enjoy getting um is people to do a shit list people that they don't oh, yeah. actually mind experimenting magically on um i think there are practitioners out there and they're not ones we would mentor um <laughs> generally speaking are, are ones that are willing to or are kind of self-conscious enough to think actually yes um but I think the biggest barrier for a lot of people is getting over the 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 kind of threshold at the beginning, which is witchcraft is about change. If you're not, if you are not willing to enforce, and I use that word specifically, enforce change. So actually, not only do it, but hold the responsibility of it. Yeah. Enforcement. If you are not willing to enforce change you're in the wrong practice. Go and take up meditation instead. Like there is that kind of, if you are not prepared that the things you do, magically speaking, have consequences, you are not, you're not approaching this from in a way that should be, you should be involved. Um, so I think fear of missing out is often what drives insta witches to actually finally do their first spell um i think fear of the consequences is what stops a lot of practitioners actually doing the things they theorize and i think a lot of the armchair magicians are not necessarily scared of it not working they're scared of it actually working um because they fear the consequences of that thing so kind of fear of missing out but in a different way people when they when they fail at things then they often do get angry and you can either get angry it can be external and you can like break all of your uh tables in china and all that sort of stuff and like throw shit across the room or shout at people or you can turn it kind of internal. You can get very angry in that with yourself. And then that can sometimes be pushed into, you know, getting all depressed and shit. Uh, I think that's going to vary from person to person as to whether they have a go-to one that tends to come out when they fell. Or whether it's more like a, uh, a routine, I suppose you could say. Uh, whether one turns into the other, which turns into something else, I don't know. But... Um, 
what about that with regards to failing with magical practice? Because I've seen a lot of people that have the, what is it they call it? Um, imposter syndrome, where they yeah. have a lot of experience. They've had a lot of wins. They've done a loads of stuff. They're normally quite confident. And then they'll try and do some things and they'll really fuck it up really badly. And then they'll go really out of their way to be really harsh on themselves. And it might be something that they either really wanted and they've not managed to pull it off. Or it might be something that they fucked up that should be technically simple, but they've still managed to fuck it up. And then to a certain extent, they might have tried it again. And this time there's too much at stake and they start to overthink and it becomes, you know, crazy. Um, but then they turn that up on themselves. So with that point, like there's two things that I've, I've normally recommended to people to try and help alleviate that and i don't mean fix that i mean alleviate it because it's probably going to be someone's process part of someone's process so the first thing is that is the reflection thing so it's the thing about okay think about how far you've actually come okay i know you haven't i know you fell off right near the top of mount everest couldn't quite get very far you fell off at the top of the climbing wall or whatever the fuck it is but look how far up you actually managed to get and look at all of the skills that you've learned thus far. And it's a case of resting, pulling all of the knowledge that you've accrued together and then attempting again with a plan this time. So that would be it. It would be to a certain extent reflection and recovery, two R's. And the other thing is that we talked about like getting a win. And I've had people that talk about like they'll try to do some magic and stuff and they'll go back to like a really simple spell. One of the popular ones that they go back to is the orange ball manifestation. So yeah, they'll definitely. fuck up a load of stuff and they'll be like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. But just to get that little bit more confidence back, they'll say, okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to do um, orange ball manifestation because it's simple. They've done it before. They know they can do magic like that. But sometimes you need to experience a simple win. And that can be what triggers like, I don't know what does it trigger it triggers you to kind of think okay i'm being stupid now i just calm myself down i'm not an idiot i can do this it's dopamine i suppose it's the dopamine yeah <laughs> um things can obviously go awry if you can't do that because if you can't do that going back to something simple and reflection and all that sort of thing then there's either a recovery issue in that you're getting in your own head in your own way or probably someone or something else is working against you that's where binding magic often comes in but we can't jump straight to that is illogical to jump straight to saying oh someone's binding me some spirits working against me or something you have to kind of think well with the attitude that you've been coming out with lately love it's no surprise all your spells have gone to shit because look at all the shite that you're speaking about yourself, about all of this, about all of that, what's on the line. You're literally shouting about how you need this to work by the end of tomorrow. You know, it's probably not working out very well. You're not approaching this with a calm, collected head. And for this sort of uh, magical muscle memory that is required, like martial arts, when they say in that, when you're in a fight, you should keep a cool head. When you're in magic, you should probably keep a cool head. And if you're not, that needs to be used to your advantage hexes and curses sure if you want to be angry and spit at people and be that kind of thing and i don't mean spitting in something to make your dna with it i mean the old-fashioned gypsy curse of spitting in someone's face don't recommend that there's probably laws against that nowadays at least in this country but you know there's a lot to digest there so digest away so the the obvious one for me is a case of there is a certain level of and i can't think of a better word so feel free to throw a better word in liam is there is a certain amount of kind of arrogance that is required for effective spell casting and by that i mean you need to be able to trust that you are capable of it yeah. like there is a an ego aspect that has to occur you have to trust yourself that you are capable of it. And not only do you need to trust yourself, you need to actually trust the people that are, you know, the entities and energies that are around you. Because it is force of will um, is the most common um, approach to magic. There are very few 
<laughs> that I've ever experienced, experienced um, effective practitioners that aren't able to dominate in that way. Um, like the, the domination is a required part uh, of the of a successful casting. Um, and that comes from kind of, you know, sovereignty and kind of um, focus on, which I know is really difficult to do in this day and age, that it, in all its wokeness, about actually standing there and commanding attention, which is essentially what it is, attention from whatever deity it is, or spirit, um, or the energy itself, you know, we specifically talk about energy having its own sentience. Um, and that is what you're having to command all the time. Now, you know, you don't you don't lead forces into battle by going, you know, um, come on, let's go. It's lovely. Um, girls. You know, that is not how you get, because at that sense, this is what battle, you know, battle is the right word for it. Is because you are fighting other things and other people for that control. Um, so when your spell casting doesn't go in the direction you were supposed to, is because either the music that, you know, the music, you know, going back to rhythm again there, Liam, sorry. Um, you know, either the energy has not taken your order and done as it was told or there is a conflicting matter which is why we always talk about you know um the pathway of magic uh pathway of least resistance there is a reason we talk in those terms is because you're not the only one after the attention or after the control of that energy force um, in that sense of, you know, the idea of finite, that there is a, a, you know, a certain amount of energy that is available at any one time. So, you know, there is a reason that we borrow from other places, from other uses. Um, there is so many reasons for all those complications at the later points. But it comes down to if you don't believe you're capable of doing it, you're going to have struggle. You're going to struggle to do it. And again, I can't help but go back to this kind of PT aspect of it, of going PT. that kind of self-relief. Well, I believe that in good in good management, that's what you are. You are a personal trainer. People management. People, it's a management of people and getting the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we go, you know, me and my brother go as far as being an effective manager also means managing your manager um it has to go to that extent if you are expecting change you need to have enough authority to be able to affect the levels above you as well as the levels below you um which yeah, i think is otherwise you're one of those like cucked middle managers that you see in the corporate world that do fuck all and they yeah. can't do anything and they're completely ineffective and useless because they don't stand up for the people that are below them. They're just yes men or yes women. Mm -hmm. And they're not reporting decent, useful information to their higher ups so that they can make more informed and educated decisions. You yeah. see that all the time in the corporate world. They'll make for poor magicians and magical practitioners, won't they? Of course, because ultimately, again, we're going, going back. <laughs> Going back to what it takes to be an effective practitioner is you need to be able to manipulate. And people don't like, particularly in the uh, snowflake society of today, we don't like words like manipulate. They have negative connotations. I always think that when I'm called manipulative, there's always something that they're trying to be nice. You yeah, know. highest badge of honour. I am a it, manipulator. Yeah. The master puppet make, make, ma maker the and master. masterer. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a reason we choose the names, you know, agree code names for you all mm. that are somewhat bigger than you. And they have to, they have to consider your potential. 
because there has to be room for growth into them. Yeah. Um, it's no good me saying, you know, you're only good at this currently. So let's keep you giving you that name because that's that's not a that is a, a schoolyard nickname, you know, Smelly Pete. Well, there was that day that he turned up and he was smelly. So now we're going to tell him every day that he had a day where he was smelly Pete. Like, you know, that kind of when we choose nicknames for you all, they are personas. They are kind of opportunities for you to grow into. Yeah. Um, they are potentially a, a, their own form of totem, totemic magics of saying there is this other entity that's not just me that I perform when I am magical, doing magical things, um, which is why we kind of encourage you all to lean into them is because they should be bigger than you and they should feel comfortable on. So. And the obvious levels of protection they can give you as well. Yes. Um, okay, this is interesting. I'm not entirely sure where else we should go with this. We've got about 15 minutes or so left. So I don't know, because it was supposed to be we were talking about sunk cost fallacy, but I think we've gone past that now. We've covered that definitely. Um, you were saying that you were going to tell us a story about a failure or something like that. So if you failed at something, how does that, how did you deal with that in a healthy way? And how can other well, people my, deal with their failures in a healthy way? My way is always the reflective one. So I have to see that where was the gold in the in the in the in the failure, and by that I mean failure on the horizon now, or is this like afterwards? Is it completely blind or not? Right. This is afterwards. So right. you need to find the gold in it, and by that I mean the kind of black gold that we're talking about, which is compost. Mm. Um, you know, is the kind of going actually that was ash <laughs> that that burnt to shit and now all i've got is a pile of ash well i also know that that you know well that plant over there is is needing extra nitrogen the ash might help like and you have to reinvest those failures into in into you they have to become part of you and you have to wear your failures as badges of honor in the same way that you wear you wear your wins um, you just have to try and get hope that you get to the point where there are more wins than there are failures. But that in itself is a fallacy because someone that's really trying will have far more failures than they will wins. It's how you see them. So if that those failures have to be stepping stones to the time when you eventually win. Um I think anybody that says I never failed at anything is either lying to themselves um, or has got the kind of, uh, you know, mentality that I do and just has become failure blind because I can always find a way to spin every one of them into something else. Um, yeah. OK, that's cool. So on the reflection, when someone reflects on their work or on their failure, if you're coming out with because you should be asking yourself really what is the lesson so from the failure from what you've experienced all of this thing that you've done and fucked up or mismanifested or whatever it is what is the lesson here if you're turning around and you're saying something along the lines of i'm shit i can't I'm never do doing it. that again the lesson is that i can't do this if you're turning around like that then you need more reflective work because you need to actually fill in the little box that says what the failure was so the failure is it was my confidence it was the lack of time the prep work this that and the other you should be able to come up with things if you can't come up with things then it probably means and you're coming up with things like being very self-defeating and such and angry then it means that you haven't given yourself enough time to cool off but you always should reflect and ask yourself what went wrong what went well and that's where spirits and such like that come in as well because at that point you should ideally be getting counsel for before you do a spell or something like that but it's very important to ask for counsel of course afterwards after things went horribly wrong assuming they went horribly wrong 
that's where more effort needs to be put in because more effort needs to be put in building up your weaknesses and then they do building up your strengths because your strengths are the places where most people naturally their attention goes towards their strengths so they grow naturally in those areas anyway and they're going to grow quicker in those areas they really need to double down on your weaknesses don't skip the leg day as they say but you also have to remember and and think this is where people really forget is you can't just reflect on your bad days it's just as important reflecting on when you do have the wins if anything it's even more because actually what people forget to do is look at okay well what were the strengths in that and are the strengths that i thought were strengths actually weaknesses mm. because when particularly when you have people that have you know when they come to us and they're very good at, you know i use that in inverted commas for those that can't see me um you know those that are very good at getting spell work done but frequently overpower spells now you overpowering us overpowering a spell lots of people that don't do that and aren't naturals will see that as a positive like no overpowering a spell and using more energy than was required is a negative mm. you need to actually go okay how do i now work on dialing that back that is a point at which for improval uh, you know that needs to be improved um and people don't do enough of that which sounds like a really negative thing um and it's not it's actually looking at where your negatives are is very useful but it's not as useful as saying which of these positives is actually really a negative um and actually has a room for improvement because often that's that for me is far more often the problem than you not being good at something often the reason a spell went badly is because you're too good at something you should have dialed back on um because we always lead with our good foot um and that often means that we've overbalanced something when we've worked it mm -hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're pushing yourself forward, as we've spoken before, if, you've put, if you're pushing yourself forward into land, ventures, territories, projects unknown, then you're probably going to be leading with your strengths. Now, the problem is, is that you're only ever used to, when in a place of vulnerability, relying on your strengths, which is very natural but we also need to be strategic with the risks that we take with our weaknesses as well because you'll learn a lot from that so your strengths even on projects that are important it's worth asking yourself what's the risk if it goes wrong and do i use my strength as my plan b and not my plan a because I think that that's an underestimated thing. And it, it, to a certain extent, I think some people would think that's counterintuitive because they think I'm going to give myself the most, um, you know, the biggest chance of succeeding on this project first time round. And I'll do that by playing to my strengths. And actually, there is something to be said for, yes, project first, first um, way round or first attempt at something doing your plan A, B, and C. People are used to having their A team as the strongest team. Maybe the B team should be the strongest team. Maybe you should lead with some potential weaknesses or at least push a couple of them in there and see what happens. Now, the chances are there may be big failures, but if you're assessing the risks adequately, if you have got the ability to take multiple attempts at something. I'm not suggesting that, oh, look, there's money magic that needs to be done because I need to pay the rent by the end of the month or things are going to go down. I would suggest if there's something that's really, really important, yeah, you can play to your strengths, but we're talking about people that are on a magical path to learn magic and progress quicker. You are going to need to put a lot of effort growing in your weaker areas, so that needs more focus, I would suggest, potentially. 
But that can get very disheartening, though, of course, can't it? And then we're in that fucking same cycle and phase. Mm. It's tough. Ultimately, there's a reason that we do scratch testing. And you as a person, as a practitioner, should be doing your own stress test every now and again to know what is, where are the areas for you to improve? Do you think any um, of them do that? No. Have you ever had a mentee not. come back and say, I know we did this scratch testing thing. I found it really interesting. So I've decided to do it on myself. It it's doesn't, I don't see it It's what it's there for. Like, mm. you know, one of my, going back to where we talked about depression, like my point for most people is always knowing what your trigger points are so that you can improve. But I always say any big change in a person's life, you have to reassess that stress test again. So if you've just moved house or started a new job, had a new baby, bought a new car, any big decision, you need to be preparing yourself for your depression to kick in again. Um, and so you need to make that adjustment. And that only happens with those kind of stress tests. You need to recognise where the kind of stresses appear. And um, by that, I don't mean depressive stresses. I mean, you know, potential faults in the marble or the or the or the concrete or the whatever it is that your astral self is built of. Um, you know, you need to know when there are cracks showing and that you need to do something about the cracks. Um, yeah. And if you have a regular stress test built into how your how you function you will be always be better than the somebody else and again like i said before somebody's fail somebody who fails more regularly will learn more um i know there's a certain individual who is forever talking about their their failures um and that's because that person has puts the effort in goes and tries the thing that they know they're going to fail at regardless of the fact and part of that comes down to ego they have to be brave enough and solid enough in themselves to give it a fucking go in the first place then when it all comes smashing down that they look at the rubble and go oh okay well i should have tried that um i forgot to do that and oh um, i led with my strong arm again and then what well, i couldn't swing you know, going back to video games because I can't help it, there is always those kind of overpowered players. There are all those people that go around and they just overpower themselves in the hope that that's just going to, they can smash their way through everything. What you often find with those individuals is that they have a big, big weakness in the sense that they will have a strong attack like it might be like a huge hammer or something like that, that they are automatically choosing that it will take longer for me to swing. It will also take me longer to recharge for the swing again, um, which is why somebody that kind of goes for that overpowered approach hopes that they knock you down first and are not prepared for round two, three and four if it gets there. Um, whereas the player that is based on a stamina, you know, is there to kind of go, I've got small weapons and I'm quick um, and I'm not overpowered, means that they are going to potentially last longer in the fight. And, you know, you're probably thinking this is Chris, why is he talking so militarily? Um, is because when it comes to practice and you getting better, it's like sport, which I, I think is why the PT things work so well. The analogies, the PTL analogies work so well. It's because that is about you getting to the point where you are fight ready every time. Yeah, practice can be fun. But it can also be fucking vicious. And we like the idea of setting vicious witches upon the world. It helps us, you know, chuckle before we go to sleep at night in nice silk sheets. Anyway, that is it for this edition of the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope there's lots of things for you to go and mull over. And yes, why don't you go back to square one 
and do some scratch testing and compare and contrast it to the original ones you used to do. Have you progressed, learned anything new? Are you gravitating more towards other energies that you didn't even know about before? It would be interesting and certainly let us know because we'd be interested too. Anyway, over and out.